Welcome to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am very excited about today's interview. So this is somebody that I I love her. <laughs> it's love mutual. Her. <laughs> um, so I am here with Cherry O'Neill. So Cherry, what is your business name? My business name is Active Transformation. It is, um, it is your life and it is what you have done your whole life. So it is so apropos. So tell me about your business. Give me the highlights. Okay. Well, I uh, became certified as a transformational life coach. Um, so I actually have letters that I can put behind my name, CTC, Certified Transformational Coach. Um, and what I do is I try to assist people in helping them make changes in their life uh, create positive uh, differences, help them move towards something they want to do in their life, help them to get unstuck from ruts in the past, and uh, give them a new perspective and some optimism. So that's what I try to offer. So how long have you been in BNI? I have been in BNI, I believe it's coming up on nine years. Wow. Which is almost as long as I've had my business. I joined BNI a few months after I officially launched my coaching business. That's a scary time to join. That's kind of, that's what I did, but it's also <laughs> a great time to join. Right. Yes. So what would you say that you appreciate generally about BNI? Well, I love the idea that it's based on forming relationships because it's a referral business. It's a, it's a referral group. We refer people uh, because we know them, we trust them, we have gotten to know them, we know who they are as people and what they do in their work, and we have confidence in that. And so when we can refer them, it makes us look good because when we refer them to people that we know or people that are our clients uh, and they receive the great work that's done by other members in our chapter, that kind of boosts our credibility. But then we also get the same thing in return from other members of the chapter when they refer uh, people they know to us. So it's it's very much a win-win kind of situation. I would agree. Now, uh, what do you think is the best part of our chapter, Plateau Partners? For our chapter, I just, I think there's such a camaraderie and such a family feeling. The fact that we are serious about our businesses, but we love to laugh and we love to be slightly irreverent. And uh, <laughs> yes, we do. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of, it's a business meeting, but it's a, it's kind of like a party too, every time we get together. So it I is. really appreciate that. You're right. I like to say we we take our businesses seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Right. Definitely. So I would agree. So you brought it up in um, your prior answer, um, the words like, know, and trust. So they are three words that are brought up quite often in BNI. What do you think are three words that are associated with you? Um, I think that uh, three words as I've thought about what might ref um, kind of reflect me and what how I approach my business, I think the first one is empathy. I think the things that I've been through in my life have created an ability for me to have compassion and empathy for other people as I'm working with them to coach them out of whatever situation they're in into something more positive and hopeful and purposeful. Um, I'm also not judgmental because um, that's having been through the things that I've been through, mm -hmm. that's, and learning compassion and empathy, that automatically creates a scenario where 
you allow people to be vulnerable and talk about their mistakes and where they feel broken because we're, we're all broken. We've all made mistakes and allowing that space without judgment is, um, creates a very safe space for people to embrace who they are and move towards who they want to be. And then the other thing is I'm a very positive person. I'm very optimistic. I have always been kind of like a Pollyanna, but not to the point of denying reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I see reality, but I also like to look for the good in whatever that reality is. So, Well, and I, you know, for so many of these interviews, I keep adding my own word because, you know, I apparently know people better than they know themselves. <laughs> but I think the word active for you, you know, it, it goes with obviously active transformation. But as you say, you know, you you think positively about something and you actually act on it. Mm. And, you know, you really actively look for a solution and you know you're tenacious about it so you know i'm just adding my two cents okay <laughs> i'll take it all right um so what is something that is an interesting fact about you and as i keep saying over and over it's not necessarily meant to just be a fun fact it's you know it's something that um i think it's the threads of connection that bring people together so mm -hmm. you know something that somebody may hear and be like oh my gosh i've got to work with her because <laughs> you know she knows how to say the ABCs in Spanish. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see. I guess one of the things that um, that makes me stand apart is that I went through and recovered from eating disorders. Um, and it took about 10 years of my life to do that. Didn't think I'd be able to have kids. Didn't think I'd ever get well. Not only did I get well, I have five adult children and three grandchildren now. So that's um, putting a positive spin on something that could be very negative. Um, and I've also written books about my experiences uh, in recovery. And um, you're being <laughs> modest as I have the books literally in front of me, the New York Times bestselling book, Starving for Attention by Cherry Boone O'Neill and a follow-up, Dear Cherry, and then even a third book, Living on the Border of Disorder. Yes. So yes, you have. Since you're being <laughs> humble and modest, I will I will toot your horn for you. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I for quite a while, I thought that the 10 years that I had spent obsessing over weight and diet and exercising five to six hours a day and counting calories and limiting myself to one meal because I couldn't get out of it, that was family time. You know, all those things that I obsessed about and that took up all my time and took up all of my mental and physical energy, I thought, man, what a waste that was 10 years of my life, but then in being able to write about it and put mm -hmm. it in kind of an encapsulated form in a book and offer it to other people, it's kind of like a little a little hope pill. It's like, here's a little capsule from my life that I can offer you that might give you hope for recovery from whatever you're dealing with. Because a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the book is not just about eating disorders. It's about perfectionism and low self-esteem and uh, competition and uh, those, you know, those types of things that are common among a lot of people, even though most of them probably don't develop eating disorders. That's, right. It's something that there's something in there that I think a lot of people can get something from, even if they haven't gone through the kind of stuff that I went through. Absolutely. I mean, it's all sort of, it's all tied together mm. and, you know, you start to untie it and it makes, um, and you start to get to the root of it. Right. Okay. Um, so what would you say is uh, your most frequently asked question? Frequently asked question. I, one of them is, do you take insurance? And because coaching is not a regulated field, we haven't gotten to that point yet. 
Uh, but I purposely have, have priced myself on the low end of the coaching scale because I want to be as accessible to as many people as possible. I don't want to price myself out of the possibility of, of working with somebody. And I've also, on a few rare occasions, created a sliding scale if I really felt that somebody that I wanted to work with somebody that we were a good fit, but there was just no way they could afford mm -hmm. the amount that I was charging. Um, for me, it's more about helping people. Obviously, I want to make money um, doing it because it's a business and that's what businesses are supposed to do. Right. But my first priority is is helping people. I love that. I, you and I share that that vibe. Mm. Okay, so hey, good, good girl, what's your favorite curse word? <laughs> Believe it or not, this is really, uh, my kids laugh at me because this is something that you say, <laughs> all at once. Kind of, a, yeah, kind of a string. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, now that we have the important questions taken care of <laughs> and we got down to the heart of it, you heard it here first, uh, we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to be back with Cherry O'Neill of Active Transformation. We'll be right back. I'm Kathleen Hunter, founder and executive director of NWK9 Coalition, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to shine a light on dogs in need of a home. We feature adoptable dogs that might not ordinarily be in the spotlight because they're in smaller, lesser known shelters and rescues. We feature adoptable canines weekly on King 5 News. You can learn how to donate, volunteer, and support our mission, and more importantly, these adorable dogs, by following us on social media and on our website, nwk9coalition.org. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with Cherry O'Neill. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, I am super excited about this interview um, for so many reasons. Obviously, as I said, I love Cherry. I love the work that she does. I love her story and how she is somebody that truly has walked the walk. When she talks the talk, it's because she's walked the walk. So, um, so given that, I obviously know what led you to life coaching and to this path, but share with people, what mm. is it that led you here? Well, as I said before, writing my book was a way for me to redeem a period of my life that I thought had been wasted by offering it up to uh, uh, perhaps bring hope to other people. And as I started raising my own kids and going through the, you know, the various challenges and, and obstacles that that entails, I went through a postpartum depression. I Three of my kids had ADD, ADHD, so I had to learn how to navigate that world and help them come up with um, accommodating for their learning differences and for their behavioral differences. They also... Uh, four out of five of them have had some kind of battle with either mental health or mood disorder issues. My husband went through PTSD and had to have some serious treatment for that. Um, a couple of my kids have gone through drug addiction. Um, I just feel like my life has offered me so many things that could have knocked me down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But because of my perspective and because of my determination and I think maybe grit and resilience um, that I've been able to apply to those things, I've been able to face them, address them, and overcome them either by going over them, through them, around them. Um, but m more directly, usually, it's like, how do we face this? How do we deal with this? How do we resolve this issue? And some of them have taken as long as 20 years. One of the kids with addiction 
it was a 20-year battle, but she's been clean and sober for four, eight, four and a half years now. So it's an amazing thing. You know, I, I always love to just sit and hear you talk about things because it's just, first of all, I think it's rare that parents talk about the things that their kids go through. Um, you know, when the kids are babies and you have like peps groups and mops and and those little play groups where it's like i don't know should i like pull the binky <laughs> shouldn't i pull the binky like when did you start giving right. like you know when Do did I you switch from breast yeah. to bottle like should i let them cry through the night should yeah. i ferberize them you know <laughs> those kinds of things and so it becomes this village and then as your kids get older the problems really become real. I mean, you know, like whether or not to like have your kid cry through the night is the least of your problems. Yeah. And suddenly your kids are now entering this domain of, you know, addiction, mental issues, behavioral issues. The stakes are higher. The stakes yeah. are much higher and you don't talk about it. People don't talk about it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it's not like you have put your kids out there or done anything like that. But what you have done is you recognized that, you know, your own, your own obstacles that you've gone through, your husband's, your children's, you have, um, you have figured out a way to learn from it mm. and to teach others. And the yeah. fact that you talk about it, I, I just think it's, I, I actually ran a parent networking group for 18 years, um, in our school district. Um, and it was because of that. It was the, the need to know that you're not alone when you're dealing with situations that are challenging. Uh, that was one of the things that was so hard in overcoming my eating disorder. I had an eating disorder before people knew what the words anorexia and bulimia meant. And so there was nobody to talk to about what I was going through. I thought I was just this isolated freak with these weird behavioral problems. And um, so in starting that parent networking group, it was a way to kind of partner together with other moms and sometimes dads who were dealing with this similar challenges and supporting each other and saying, well, this worked for me, this didn't work for me. You know, what do you think about trying this option or that option? And it became a very helpful thing for us to navigate the waters of raising adolescent kids in this world today. <laughs> well, and one of the poignant things that you have shared with me in the past is, you know, as you, um, one of your daughters, I believe you talk about this moment where you were you were there and I think she was sleeping or something and you just sort of saw her life flashing before your eyes and that it was almost like you had to grieve. Actually, you tell the story because it's so <laughs> powerful. Well, it was kind of at the beginning of the 20-year battle with drug addiction and I had not expected this to be a problem that we would face. But as she started to show signs that this was really going to take some control of her life, I went to lay down one night and try to go to sleep. And as I closed my eyes, I saw what looked like a slideshow playing on the inside of my eyelids from her as an infant to her as a toddler to her as a preschooler, kindergarten, you know, and so on. And I realized this is the kind of slideshow you see at a funeral. And I realized that I was grieving the loss of the daughter that I had thought I was going to have. Mm -hmm. But in that same moment, I also realized it was never my place to have had those expectations of her. It's hard to do as a parent not to have expectations for your child. But for me, that was the beginning of letting go of her. I didn't think I'd have to do it as early as age 15. But uh, if I hadn't gone through that night and realized I can offer her unconditional love, I can offer her guardrails, guidelines, 
Um, I can even, you know, provide consequences to a certain degree, but I can't make her choices for her. That's up to her. And the consequences that come from those choices will also be hers. And I can be here to help her through the fallout of that, but I can't keep her from making those choices. And learning that and accepting that enabled me to go through the next 20 years without feeling like I was going to, you know, go nuts. Um, I kind of felt, I've often said when I started trying to attend Al-Anon meetings later, mm -hmm. I went and I'd, I'd go and it was like, I kind of already get this point. I kind of already learned that lesson. I thought, I think God has been my Al-Anon sponsor all along. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because I was being led to understand concepts that are part of Al-Anon, but it wasn't because somebody was telling me that. It was that I was having those realizations uh, and th those aha moments, you know, that you just really helped intrinsically me intrinsically knew. Yeah. Which, you know, I, I agree. So with your counseling that you do, what type of clients do you, do you look for or should be looking for you? <laughs> Well, I've always said that the best client for me is somebody who's ready to change and is willing to do whatever it takes to make that change. Because again, it has to do with the choices we make. I can't force somebody to make a choice. They have to make that choice if they're going to move in a certain direction or not. And so I'm willing to work with anybody that wants to make a change as long as they're willing to commit to whatever that takes. But I'd say my areas of expertise have to do with body image, self-esteem, um, eating disorder related types of things, perfectionism, um, and also parenting issues. Um, I've, you know, one of the things that I like to say is learning how to shift your position from being a manager of your children to being a consultant for your children. <laughs> gosh, that's um, so true. That's yeah. so aptly put. <laughs> oh and so, you know, that kind of uh, gradually letting go and um, those types of things also be reaching the point in your life where, okay, now I've raised my kids or I've done my job. Uh, now, who am I? What's my purpose? What's my identity? Um, how do I define myself in this second or third act of my life? And I love doing that because then it's not about what you have to do. It's about what you get to do and reconnecting with things that you've been passionate about. And um, they've been lying dormant for it, so yes, long. Right. And there's really a, that's really a source of joy for people to find that thing that they kind of put on the shelf for a while because of the things that were a priority that they needed to you know, pay their attention to. And now they get to return to those things that that bring them a sense of fulfillment and joy and purpose. So it's interesting. I say I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it again here. It's this, you know, I love the fact that your business's name is Active Transformation because you work with people that need an act of transformation. <laughs> and that's not it's it's active, like being active, but it just it sounds like act of right. transformation. And well, it's both. <laughs> it's both. I mean, I, I know it's not a mistake. I know that it's like what you did, but I'm always like, man, that's smart. It's really, really <laughs> smart. Um, so I would imagine that, um, you know, those areas then clients that are going through that, that, and the specialties that you have, um, that you really enjoy that you really enjoy ushering people through that, um, that transformation and seeing what's on the other side and seeing what's possible and, 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 showing people that like, by the way, this is possible. You're going right. to survive through this. Right. And one of the things that I appreciate about coaching that might be a little different from 
other types of like therapy or, you know, medical professional type stuff where you have to kind of remain detached and you don't really talk about your own life. I, I get to, as a coach, share things about my life and things that I've learned, some of the mistakes I've made and what I learned from that in the coaching process. So it's kind of like in some things I can say, you know, I'm going to lead by example and other things I can say, do what I say, not what I did. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, um, and I appreciate the fact that I can bring the lessons that my life has taught me into the coaching process. Well, and I think that's an important distinction with coaching and counseling and, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things that you can, uh, you can give that feedback. And, you know, we were using the analogy when we were talking the other day of being a Sherpa on uh, the journey. Yes. And, you know, that you've walked the walk, you know, like, okay, where this is a pitfall and this is something that you need to do and, and that you can be a guide on the journey, but still the person's going to have to take every step of the journey themselves. Right. Right. You're not going to carry them. Right. But, you know, you're going to definitely guide them and like, right. Make sure I love that, that analogy. Like, that's very, very much like what I feel I'm doing when I'm working with a client. So I think that's really important. Okay, there's so many more things that we can talk about, but let's take a quick break. And then we, when we come back, we will talk some more with Cherry O'Neill. What's the one class that's making school stressful for your child? Is it calculus, Spanish two, chemistry? Pacific Learning Academy has been bringing joy back to learning for over 15 years. Our certified programs are taught by degreed professionals, carefully chosen to be a match for your child's needs. A great fit is so important that we 100% guarantee that you'll love your instructor. Set up your free consultation today at PacificLearningAcademy.com. Welcome back to Plateau Partners Pulse. I am here with Cherry O'Neill of Active Transformation. And before the break, we were talking about the types of um, people that you coach, the types of things that you enjoy coaching. So when you're coaching with someone, how do you coach with them? What mm. format do you use? How does it work? When I was in my training, they, the people who were leading the, the uh, workshop that I was taking, the certification program, they encouraged us to start coaching by phone with our, quote, guinea pig clients. And so initially, I had a lot of experience in coaching by phone. Uh, that's come in handy on many occasions because it, it offers me the opportunity not to just be restricted to clients who are local. Mm -hmm. I can meet with people in person, and I have before, you know, had regular clients that I met with in person. But I can also meet with them with a phone call, with a Zoom call, Skype, FaceTime, you name it. Uh, there are all kinds of form formats available now that we didn't have just a few years ago. So uh, that really opens up the, the opportunities to coach pretty much anybody that wants to be coached. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, do you have kind of a modality that you go through or, you know, like mm -hmm. a when people are first... Um, starting, mm -hmm. you must have kind of a process. The first thing I try to do is find out what it is they hope to gain. What, it, what are your goals? What, what do you, where do you want to be at the end of this process, of this coaching relationship, of this process? And then I talk to them about other times in their life where they might have felt or had a glimpse of that kind of reality. I often do a timeline with people where I say, okay, I want you to take the major events in your life. And if they were positive, put them above the timeline. And if they were negative, put them below the timeline. And then by the time we get done, we can kind of draw similarities between the, the positive experiences 
and similarities between the negative experiences and say, okay, I want more of this and less of this. And how do we go about ensuring that that can happen? Another thing I like to do is uh, a values or, or a character assessment where we uh, do a little test, a little survey, and we find out what their top um, characteristics, their top strengths are. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful to use the things that you're already good at, the things that you already are strong in to help you move towards the destination that you have or the goals that you have in coaching while also working to build up the things that you might be weak in. But if you know that you're already good at something, it makes it a little less daunting to apply that to the changes that you want to make in your life. And uh, I've always felt that positive motivation, like finding out what you want to move towards mm -hmm. and not just what you want to move away from that that can be positive motivation can be much more powerful than negative motivation. So I try to find out what are you passionate about? What are your strengths? What are your gifts? How can we use those to help you move towards this positive goal that you have in your life? I love that you always lead with the positive. Yeah. I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot right here. I'm going <laughs> to pivot for a second. So your book, Starving for Attention. So fun fact, um, that I have shared with you, uh, when I was in high school, I was at a small, um, all girls private school and our health teacher forced us to do an assignment on a health topic. And I was given the topic of eating disorders and I didn't know much about them. I, I hadn't experienced it. I, I was sort of vaguely aware of the concept. Maybe there was an after school special or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so I had to write a paper and there was not much that was available at the time in the library about it, except there was a book called Starving for Attention by Cherry Boone O'Neill. <laughs> and I love the fact that, you know, all these years later, I, I've said to you, I didn't want to fangirl and be like, oh my gosh, guess what? Um, but I remember reading it and I remember learning so much. And what was interesting is that, as you mentioned earlier in the episode, that the things that come with, you know, an eating disorder or whatever it is, they're tied to so many things. And even though I didn't, my issues that I had as a young woman didn't manifest themselves into an eating disorder, I certainly resonated with so many of the things that you talked about and struggled with with, you know, feeling like you needed to be perfect, feeling mm. like, you know, you had sides of yourself that were hidden and, you know, just the expectation and perception versus reality and, you know, just feeling like you're, you know, constantly like shifting and it's like a game of, right, like shells or whatever right. it's called. And add to that, being the daughter of a celebrity and I felt like I was the daughter of a celebrity and the daughter of a preacher. I was a preacher's kid and a celebrity's kid all at the same time, which has a very unique set of preachers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It is, um, I mean, that's that's tricky. I mean, we all know what's happened to with celebrities' kids mm -hmm. so very often. And, and honestly, you know, I don't want to mitigate that in any way. That's a lot of pressure. Mm. And not only were you a celebrity kid slash preacher's kid. <laughs> but in your own right, you had a career that, you know, as a young woman, you were doing these things and you were performing with your family and right. with your sisters. And and so 
you know, it's not like you were allowed to go off and do your own thing. Well, and we had to maintain this kind of perfect family persona, even though I knew that in my private life, I was struggling with this thing that I wasn't talking about then. Eventually, I became very open and very free uh, to talk about it because uh, I figured if if I try to hide this and somebody finds out about it, that's going to look like I you know didn't want anybody to know. But I don't care if people know about what I went through because what I went through happened. And if I hadn't gone through those things and I hadn't learned the hard lessons that I learned in recovery, I wouldn't be the person I am now. So... Well, um, I think it's so powerful that, you know, you didn't rely on your celebrity for this, but the fact that growing up in the environment that you did as Pat Poon's daughter, entertainer, and as you say, very, very strong Christian moral compass and known for that. And so the fact that you outed yourself and that, by the way, you know, bad things happen to good people <laughs> and you were willing to draw the curtain back and and show that. And I think so often celebrities don't like to do that. And so when celebrities say that they, you know, well, they're not going to have a platform or they're not, they shouldn't be held up as a role model or whatever it is, fortunately or unfortunately, you're in a position of power. I mean, mm. when you published this book, there was such an outpouring that you had to do a follow-up uh, book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an amazing thing. I mean, what are the kinds of, what's the response that you got? I mean, obviously it well, was enormous. Uh, fortunately, I had developed a habit right before that book came out, which was, I used to be the kind of correspondent person in when, with letter writing that I always felt like I had to write every little detail about my life. If somebody wrote me a letter, I had to catch them up on everything that had happened since the last time I spoke to them. But right before this book came out, I had made the decision that if I was going to keep current with correspondence, I was going to keep my letters to one page and I was going to answer them the day they came, the, de the day that the letter came, I was going to respond. And so I literally was deluged by letters from people with questions about eating disorders because mine was the first, first hand account to be published. And so, um, fortunately and, and, Proudly, I can say I answered every letter that I got, I and I answered it. Amazing, you know, the day it came, kept it to one page. But there have been people who have come to me as coaching clients since, who have told me that the reason they came to me for coaching was because they had written to me when my book came out, and I answered them, and they still had those letters, and they knew that they could trust me, and that we had a rapport. So I'm very grateful that I made that commitment and that I followed through with it. Well, and I think that speaks about the kind of coach that you are, that you are answering the questions and you're answering the questions in an authentic way and in a way that is really honest mm -hmm. when so many people aren't telling the truth about these things. <laughs> and you are. Well, and the other thing is, if I don't know an answer, I'm fine with admitting that and I will help you go find a source that can answer that for you. I, that's the way I did with my kids. My kids would ask me, you know, what do turtles eat? I don't know. Let's look in the encyclopedia. You know? Right, right. Now <laughs> so, you can go on the internet. Right. It's so much easier. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm putting it out there and I'm saying it out loud, like to manifest it for you. I just, you know, I am so moved by, you know, the book. At the time, it was a resource um, of a resource of a research project. Um, and then I'm proud that I can actually call you my friend. Mm -hmm. And 
I think you need to do a follow-up. I think so many times life coaches, you can get certification and all of those letters after your name, they are valid. I'm not going to say that they're not valid, but even more valid is somebody that has lived a life Mm. and that has experienced life. I, I think that makes a huge difference. And you have lived a life, <laughs> a life and a half, I'll tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, so while those letters after your name for your certification are important, you know, the fact that, you know, you're a 66 year old woman, not a 26 year old woman, you've lived a long life. You've had, you know, a depth and breadth of, um, life experiences, mm-hmm. And you can share that with people. Right. And I'm happy to. I'm not. I I love uh, what Brene Brown says about the power of vulnerability. And I think that's another thing that I bring to my coaching is that I'm I'm not afraid to be vulnerable about the things that I've been through because I think it adds uh, power to the coaching process. And it offers hope to people that are struggling a little further, you know, down the road than from where I am now. Um, and I can say, I, I know what that was like. Mm-hmm. I, I walked that part of the path. I thought those thoughts, I felt those feelings and now I'm here and I wouldn't be here if I hadn't gone through that. So absolutely. Okay. As I was writing the book, every chapter that I wrote, I would send a copy to my parents and I'd have them look at it and say, what do you think? Does this seem accurate to you? And if they remembered a factual thing differently, like where something happened or, the date or the time or who, you know, who was present or whatever, I, I would adjust that. But if it had to do with perception, I had to be true to how I had perceived it because a lot of the reason I was dealing with the things I was dealing with was because of my perception. And so I had to be true to that in telling my story. And I was very careful not to, it wasn't like a mommy or daddy dearest kind of thing. I even allowed my parents to write their own chapter at the end of the book so that they could have their, you know, their perspective as part of the the whole story. Um, and it's interesting when I look back, especially my, my dad's letter, it's kind of like, well, that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, my mom and dad are still very much the way they were when they wrote. Well, my mom has passed away, but her her tendency to be a little bit more kind of empathetic and forgiving and malleable. And my dad's kind of more kind of set in his ways, kind of staunch in his perspective about things. So I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's the stuff that, you know, you choose to um you know, you can recover from it right. and move forward and make your own choices as a parent and a person. Right. right. So that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So what else do you want to focus on um, in the interview? Well, I guess one of the things that, that I realized was that I was all about, my tagline is active transformation, uh, personal coaching in pursuit of purpose, passion, and potential. And I thought, man, there are some things that I've been passionate about that I never really pursued. (laughs) And so in an attempt to uh, walk my talk, um, I was given the opportunity. It was actually through BNI. Um, A couple of the women in our chapter started something they called Business Theater Live. And I had always been intrigued by acting, particularly comedy. And I volunteered because they said it's going to be a cross between TED Talks meets Saturday Night Live. And I thought, I don't, I don't know if I can help you with the TED Talks part, but I'd love to be part of the Saturday uh-huh. Night Live part. And so I just volunteered. And 
it ended up being a three-year relationship where I would write the sketches and perform in them and learning how to write comedy and learning how to play these different characters was so much fun. And it lit up a part of my brain and my heart that hadn't been lit up for a while. And so I thought, I can't just stop doing this because Business Theater Live isn't happening anymore. And so I sought out an agent and I have been pursuing acting and I've done improv work as well as uh, acting classes and workshops. And I've done a few little commercials here and there. And I'm not trying to be the next Meryl Streep or something, but I'm just having fun pursuing something that I always liked and had a passion for. So I will not just coach people to do something. I will make an effort to do it myself. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. All those things that, you know, I have always said that if I were to write a book, um, that I would want it to be something like Irma Bombeck would have written, right? You know, when life gives you a bowl of cherries, like, or something like life is like a bowl of cherries. You're always in the pits or something. Um, and, you know, so I love the fact that you do, you really, you think, okay, this is something that I've wanted to do and you go after it. I mean, you know, I've seen shows with you, you've done, um, BNI Eight Minutes, where you basically were doing the um, kind of a parody of Hamilton, and you know, using that as the backdrop for sharing all this information. I mean, mm -hmm. you have such a creative, engaging approach to the way that you interact <laughs> with people. So I think that you know, it's an amazing thing. If people want to connect with you, yes, they can go to your website, which is active dash right transformation .com. Correct. Then you have your Instagram, which is cherry, C-H-E-R-R-Y. Like the fruit. 7754. <laughs> Correct. They can also find you on Facebook and you're at Active Transformation. Correct. And um, I just, I mean, you and I could go <laughs> on and on and on. But, you know, if somebody is going through a hard time, if somebody is looking to actively transform, if somebody needs an act of transformation, if somebody needs a class act to show what transformation <laughs> looks like, then you need to use one of those ways to get in touch with Cherry O'Neill because she really um, has been through it and has survived and flourished. So it's, <laughs> Cherry it's, has blossomed. Cherry has blossomed. <laughs> she totally has. Cherry, do you have any last thoughts that you want to share? Um, just that I'm, when I take a client, I commit myself to them. I take a stand for them to help them accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. And I will stick with them as long as necessary or as long as they will allow me to. And the relationship doesn't just end when I stop actively coaching them. I do send daily quotes and affirmations and inspirations out to current and former clients just to keep that touch point going so that they know I'm still kind of in their corner and that I still care. I love that. And I happen to know that because she sends me quotes regularly. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining. Mm -hmm. i glad to be here. I love spending time with you and likewise <laughs> learning from you. And I appreciate your time and your gift very much. Well, thank you. Absolutely. So keep listening to more episodes of Plateau Partners Pulse. We're where we will 
talk to other members of our chapter about their passion and their purpose. And let's see if they're walking the walk and talking the talk, (laughs) just like Cherry does. Thanks for listening.